morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal soul, in weakness raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, with the redeemed of God first no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in glory land. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal Free from every imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be. Lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed, never sad. There'll be no more sorrow. No, no more pain, pain. There'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness in of his likeness. Ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Trump of God shall sound. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal grains, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the reading of God to stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of Christ, likeness. ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad. That you are here and listening to this show. Well, folks, I just want to let you know that I'm part of the greatest movement ever. Follower of Jesus Christ because you see in him I find peace, joy, happiness, forgiveness, and blessed beyond measure. More than I ever could deserve. My goal here is very simple, friend. That is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study section, we're going to be continuing talking about the subject of hate and racism. Hate and racism. But before we get to that study, we got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Well, get this, get this. The U.S. Navy is allowing personnel to attend in-person indoor worship services after criticism from some Congress members. The clarification of the order comes after a June 24th order 
that would have kept personnel from attending indoor worship services during the pandemic. The order, however, allowed other secular indoor activities. First Liberty on June 29th arguing that they sent a letter arguing that service members have a right to freely exercise religious beliefs via in-person religious services. Two Republican Congress members, Doug Collins and Doug Lamborn, sent a letter July 1st to Secretary of Defense Mark Esper saying that while we can all agree that health and safety to our troops is critical during the ongoing public health crisis, singling our out religious gatherings while allowing other activities and unrestricted social gatherings to take place is, well, unlawful. And acting undersecretary uh, released a memo saying that in-person worship was allowed as long as, as social distancing measures were allowed. Liberty First Liberty General Counsel Mike Berry said the change is a major victory for the Constitution and for religious freedom within our military. The memo means tens of thousands of our brave service members will be able to safely and freely exercise their religious beliefs. All right, folks, get that. U.S. Navy clarifies policy will allow personnel to attend in-person church services. I just Sometimes you just shake your head while they come up with these rules while allowing other things to happen. Oh, madness. Well, talk about madness. Well, get this. Get this. In a discussion over America's founding fathers with fellow CNN host Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon stressed that all humanity, including Jesus, was fallible. On Monday's broadcast of CNN Tonight with Don Lemon, Lemon noted that a lot of what Americans learn about history is propaganda and needs to be revised. He went on to address the criticisms that were being made over the removal of statutes, including from President Trump, his supporters, and some very well-meaning liberals. Lemon proposed that people should take the statue removals into consideration rather than operate out of fear that the rioters were taking it too far. Why not have the mindset of, well, maybe we should be taking down some of these statues, Lemon asked. The CNN anchor then told Cuomo that Americans were deifying the country's founders instead of recognizing that no human being is perfect. To further his argument, Lemon used Jesus as his primary example as someone who admittedly was not perfect. Jesus Christ, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country, many of whom own slaves? Meanwhile, Cuomo, a professing Roman Catholic, stood silently by without rebuttal. Pastor Robert Jeffress of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, said Don Lemon's comments are, first of all, heretical, and it contradicts the most basic tenet of the Christian faith and demonstrates how tone deaf the left is to faith issues. Our founding fathers, like all of us, were imperfect human beings, but Jesus Christ was different than any other man that lived, and as the founder of our faith, 
he had to be perfect. The Bible makes it implicitly clear that Jesus Christ was in fact perfect. The only way for people to be reconciled to God the Father is through his son Jesus Christ who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Later on, Chris Cuomo dismissed trusting in God while navigating through difficult circumstances and urged his viewers to look within themselves for the answers. If you believe in one another and if you do the right thing for yourself and your community, things will get better in this country, Cuomo said. You don't need help from above. It's within us. There you go, folks. Amazing. Jesus Christ admittedly was not perfect, claimed CNN host Don Lemon. <laughs> i tell you what. Well, now get this. A Christian, a Christian photographer filed a federal lawsuit Tuesday seeking to overturn a Virginia law that would force him to take pictures at same-sex weddings under the threat of fifty dollars to $100,000 fine. At issue is the Virginia Values Act, which was signed by Democratic Governor Ralph Northam in April. Perhaps prohibits unlawful discrimination because of sexual orientation. The law permits a civil penalty up to $50,000 against first-time violators and up to $100,000 for each subsequent violation. The suit says the new law violates Herring's constitutionally protected religious and free speech rights as guaranteed under the First Amendment. The suit also says that Herring will work with the LGBT individuals, LGBT individuals in the other part of his business, which involves taking pictures of outdoor adventures. And he will also work with LB, LGBT photographers at a wedding of a man and a woman. Because of Virginia's new law, Chris faces an impossible choice. Violate the law and risk bankruptcy, promote views against his faith, or close down. No matter one's view on marriage, we all lose when bureaucrats can force citizens to participate in religious ceremonies they oppose, speak messages they disagree with, and stay silent about beliefs they hold dear. There you go, folks. Christian photographer could be fined 50 to $100,000 for not working same-sex weddings. Folks, we've seen this before, haven't we? It's a rough world that we're living in nowadays. Let's pray. Pray, pray, pray. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. Now this day in church history. In 1382, death of Nicholas Arismi, a French bishop who had written extensively against astrology and had developed graphing techniques later used by Galileo and other scientists, among many other worthwhile contributions to knowledge. 
on this day in 1656, Anne Austin and Mary Fisher become the first Quakers to arrive in America, but was promptly arrested. Five weeks later, they were deported back to England. In 1681, Oliver Plunkett, Archbishop of Armagh, is executed on the accusation of treason because of his Roman Catholic faith. He becomes the last Catholic in England to be put to death for his faith. In 1823, Moravians celebrate the 50th anniversary of their mission on St. John's Island. In those 50 years, get this folks, the church had baptized 17,000 blacks. Isn't that amazing? 17,000 blacks had been baptized. And then finally on this day in 1924, Eric Little wins the Olympic 400-meter race in Paris after he had rejected an opportunity to run in the 100-meter race because its heats were on a Sunday. He believed it was a violation of God's Sabbath command to run on Sunday. Well, there you go, folks, standing on your beliefs. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun with Name That Bible Character. Here is your clue. I was the special privilege Paul had granted to him in the hearing with King Agrippa. What privilege am I? I was a special privilege Paul had granted to him in the hearing with King Agrippa. What privilege am I? We'll reveal the answer to this tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, we come to our study as we've continued to talk about the subject of hatred and racism. And uh, so get your hot cup of coffee. I got mine right here, folks. And uh, just join me as we continue to wade through uh, this important topic as it relates to all of us and packs the church all over. And uh, we've got lots of problems in this area. And we we need to shore it up. We need to fix it. God expects us to do just that. And as I said earlier uh, last week in my reflection show that, uh, that there was an article written by Dr. Jim Dennison, What Does the Bible Say About Racism? I thought was uh, pretty accurate. And I was sharing with you some of the things he had to say. And uh, we had talked a little bit earlier about uh, Old Testament slavery. And now we are in the comment section there. We're um, in the article that was on the subject of slavery in the New Testament. So let's begin there, folks, as we begin our study. 
In the Old Testament era, people were enslaved primarily through war, but in the first century A.D., the procreation of slaves swelled their numbers enormously. And many people actually sold themselves into slavery to improve their lives. Owning and using people as slaves were so common in the Roman Empire that not a single Roman writer condemned the practice. But this acceptance of slavery would begin to change with the growth and influence of Christianity. Slavery in the Roman era was dramatically different from the despicable practice in our country here in America. If you walk through the first century Roman city, you would not be able to tell most slaves from free people. Slaves performed manual labor, but they also were doctors, nurses, household managers, and intellectuals. They managed finances and cities. They were often given excellent education at the expense of their owners, with the result that philosophers and tutors were typically slaves. Even more amazing. To us, it was common for people to sell themselves themselves into slavery to secure such privileges. A person who wanted to be a Roman citizen could sell himself to a citizen and then purchase his freedom. For many people, slavery was more a process than a condition. But there was no doubt that many slaves were abused physically, sexually, and socially. Many were part of the more privileged uh, strata of society. The total dependence of the Roman economy upon the labor of slaves made it impossible for the ancient world to conceive of abolishing this institution. As a result, no New Testament writer attempted to end slavery itself as this was not possible during their time. But there are several factors that should be noticed. These are important factors that I think we all need to get. And the first one is Paul abolished all racial and social discrimination in his comments to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 26 and 28. In Christ Jesus, you were all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Listen, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen, folks. Every believer is our sister or brother. None in the Christian family are to be viewed as slaves. So that's the first important fact. Paul abolished all racial and social discrimination as taught here in Galatians 3, 26, 28. Fact number two, free Christians viewed slaves as their equal. This was part of the statement made by Paul in Philemon verse 16. He appealed to Philemon, if you remember, to see his slave, Onesimus, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. In fact, in other letters, for instance, from Clement, a friend of Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians in A.D. 90, we know many among ourselves who had given themselves up to bonds in order that they might 
ransomed others. Many too have surrendered themselves to slavery that with the price which they receive for themselves, they might provide food for others. Ignatius wrote to Polycarp, Do not despise either male or female slaves, yet neither let them be puffed up with conceit, but rather let them submit themselves no more for the glory of God, that they may obtain from God a better liberty. So that's fact number two. The first fact is, that uh, Paul abolished all racial and social discrimination in Galatians 3, 26, 28. Two, free Christians viewed slaves as their equal, as Paul appealed to Philemon to see his own slave who was converted, Juanissimus, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. And then fact number three, this is important, not a single New Testament leader owned slaves, even though many had the resources to purchase them. So let's look at some facts that I think uh, that is brought out that I think are critical uh, to the subject of racism and hatred. You know, in First uh, John chapter three, the writer makes it very clear. Everyone in verse 15 who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It's just not compatible. The two cannot be. You cannot claim to be a child of God and love and still have hatred towards another, and that includes all bias and prejudice and hatred towards someone else because of the, the color of their skin. You, Bible is pretty strong about that. So here are some facts that I think are important. Number one is we are all created by God. Uh, Genesis 1, first, God created man, not white men, not black men, not any other kind of color men, but all humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created humanity, or him, male and female, he created them. Every person is created intentionally by God in his own image. So that means every person is sacred and equally valuable. And so on that basis, every form of racism is to be rejected. Amen? Number two, we're all descendants of the same parents. Every human being is a descendant of Adam and Eve. The man called his wife Eve and because she was the mother of all living. Genesis 3 verse 20. The scriptures notes that the Lord made from one man every nation of mankind live on all the face of the earth. And because of the flood all humanity could trace their ancestry to Noah as well. So one, we're all created by God. Two, we're all descendants of the same parents. Three, every Human being, every person is equally valuable to God. We already learned this from the passages that we just discussed in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is neither slave nor free. Revolutionary claim. 
And even beyond that, there is no male or female. Radical statement. And so Galatians 3 verse 28 sounds the bell that every form of racism is invalid and sinful. God who made us loves us all. Paul repeated that same message. Colossians 3 verse 11. There is not Greek or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Acts 10 verse 34, God shows no partiality. Each person, fact number four, each person is equally welcome to the salvation in the gospel message. Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, God is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not just certain types of people, but that all people. Paul noted 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Romans 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of the God. To everyone who believes. The Jew first. Also to the Greek. Romans 10 verse 12. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only. Whosoever believes in him. Should not perish but have ever lasting life and as a result we are to make disciples of all groups of people of all nations of all ethnicity every person of every race can be brought to Jesus Christ through the ministry of the church amen folks and finally all people will be equally valuable in paradise. Revelation 7 verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Amen, folks. No person, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. And that's why the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so essential in this matter of hate and racism pray to you that some of this study has been valuable and uh, challenging as well and that's our study for this broadcast may we all learn to love like jesus and forgive one another and that's our study for this broadcast and now we have the conclusion to name that Bible character.
Here was your clue. I was the special privilege Paul had granted to him in the hearing with King Agrippa. What privilege am I? He was able to speak for himself. Acts 26 verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I was a special privilege Paul had granted to him in the hearing with King Agrippa. What privilege am I? He was able to speak for himself and name that Bible character segment. Well, folks, you too can be part of the greatest movement ever, follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in him and him alone can you find forgiveness, joy, peace, happiness, and be blessed beyond measure more than you can ever deserve. My goal here has been very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, thank you so much for listening. May God bless you. Praise God, praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do. Well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah, Christ the Lord has died for you. Praise God, praise God, give thanks to the Father in all, in all that you say and do. Well, amen, amen, sing glory, hallelujah. Christ the Lord has risen for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do. Well, amen. Amen. Sing glory. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is living for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do. Well, amen. Amen. Sing glory. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you.